You have reached the voice mailbox of Game Thing Season 3 Simulators. You have 17 new messages. Wednesday, the 21st of September at 12:36 p.m. <clears throat> hey, this is a message for Pippin. I guess I missed you. Uh, this is David, just coming back when you get a chance. I have our first pick uh, to really take a close look at simulators for this season of Game Thing. And my selection, please let me know if you've heard of this before, because I know we both said we've not, are not the most knowledgeable of simulators. Uh, I'm picking Alter Ego which was developed and published by Activision and designed by Peter J. Favaro, a psychologist-technologist. It was released in 1986. And I'm just going to read uh, what I believe is text from the box or the manual. Uh, Alter Ego is a game which tries to simulate life itself. The player creates a character with different personality statistics, statistics, either by assigning them randomly or by answering a few introductory questions. They then guide this character through seven life phases, from infancy to old age. Uh, and I should note, this game came out in 1986 in a male version and a female version, and I'm sure we're going to run into all sorts of ways... Uh, Alter Ego is dated, and it's also very specifically, this is what life is like uh, through the eyes of Peter J. Favaro, i.e. not you, not me. Um, but I know you have an inclination to play as yourself in games, and while I am interested in simulators that explore very small moments thoroughly, uh, probably a thing that makes the most sense to start off doing is to look at something that parallels our own experiences and uh, explore, you know, life as we know it. What if it turned out different? I don't know. I actually don't know if the game will be like that when we play it. But I do think it will be helpful to explore simulators through this lens of, like, understanding what biases go into them and what you and I may run up against and what we may find. And I want us to play the male and female versions. Um, it is available on Steam, but I found it's quite helpfully on uh, archive.org. So I'll send you the links to what I think we should be playing together um, so, so that we can sort of match up our experience. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be helpful to build a vocabulary for the season ahead. So hit me back and let me know. And yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Wednesday, the 21st of September. At 3.08 p.m. Hey, David. Uh, it's Pippin. Returning your call. I guess you're out. Um, so I'll leave you a message instead. <laughs> um, I have not heard of this game. Um, Alter Ego, 1986. Uh, although some, some part of my brain is maybe telling me that I have heard of it. Uh, I have a memory like a sieve. So I, I honestly, I don't know. It's as if I have never heard of it. Uh, I certainly haven't played it. Um, so it sounds very interesting, of course, of course. Why would you pick anything else? Uh, and yet, uh, the idea that it has male and female versions is already a big, oh boy. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure that we'll have uh, biases uh, for days uh, to run into and think about.
but on that note, I, um, I went away and in my alter ego as a journalist, um, I went to at least one of the homepages for the game, um, which I, I, I think is created by the games company Choice of Games, uh, who make kind of pick-a-path software. Um, and that's playalterego.com. And it has... Uh, the main page is just kind of a predictable shilling of the game, right? They're just they're trying to sell it. So, uh, as a pull quote, um, this game will change your life, uh, which sounds like something they might have written about it in uh, 1986 as well. Uh, but they also have an about page, uh, not especially signposted, but it's there, and that page is kind of upfront with, I think, some of the stuff we're no doubt going to run into, which is this is a game from 1986, uh, representing one person's viewpoint on what life is like. Uh, and as they say, quote, uh, we've decided not to attempt to update the content of Alter Ego. Instead, we're preserving it as an artifact of electronic gaming history. So that's a perspective to take, right, that this is a historical artifact, um, there's no need to treat it as a contemporary game or to hold it, you know, to the standards of today's culture. But we can certainly talk about the standards of today's culture um, in relation to this game. Um, and just as one example of that in this uh, in this about text, which, I, like I said, I think is um, is fairly nuanced and, and careful about what it's saying about the game. Uh, they say, quote, uh, alter ego doesn't let you live the life of just anyone. Uh, you only have the option to live as someone who doesn't experience racial discrimination, end quote. Um, A.K.A. sounds like we're going to be a white person um, and doing white person things and having a white person life in 1986 America or United States. Um, but there's plenty of room for simulation within that, right? And I'm especially excited to, I guess, dig into the question of how what I assume will be some underlying model of, of what life itself is um, relates to and interplays with the kinds of decisions that we get to make uh, in the game. So let's see who we're going to be. Um, as I said, I feel confident that from the sounds of things, the person we will be is going to be straight, white, and cisgendered. Let's go. Thursday, the 22nd of September at 10.27 a.m. Hey, Pippin, message for you from David. Uh, yeah, you know, no big deal. I just thought right out of the gate, let's answer the question, what is life? <laughs> what is life itself? So let me know in the comments below. Please like and subscribe. Um, no, it, I'm glad that you went in and uh, laid that extra context for Alter Ego. Um, I did see some stuff in the comments. People were frustrated that you have to be heterosexual and uh you know there are all these other rigidities that uh are you know reflective of where culture was at the time for better or worse and i played a session last night i only made it to childhood and then ran into a software issue where i could not <laughs> type into the game anymore so i was perpetually stuck at six or seven years old and could not figure out how to save so i will roll the dice again later today on another life so it goes um you know i think it's just by way of further context you know i looked up 
1986, what was going on in video games that year. So on computer, that's the year we had Space Quest 1, King's Quest 3. On console, that's the year we had Bubble Bobble, Metroid, Dragon Quest, The Legend of Zelda, and Super Mario Bros. 2, The Lost Levels. Uh, so interesting that, you know, elsewhere on computer, um, this was going on. And I think, I think, <clears throat> I think through the lens of simulators, um, it's pretty clear cut, you know, like why you would want to do this as opposed to real life. Although what is real life? <clears throat> I mean, I think you and I may hope that this is a chance to sort of see how our lives might have turned out differently. Um, but, you know, this actually isn't that. It's uh, what it proves to be is something a bit more rigid in that it's sort of like a board game, and you navigate through this board and at any order, really. I mean, I think you can scroll all the way up to adulthood, even if you've never done anything as a baby. There's just sort of this tree of cards that you pick from, and each card is this very specific scenario, uh, you know, where it's asking you, as a baby, you see a shape or you hear a noise, and what is the mood you want to select, and what is the action you want to select. And the narrator is sometimes a bit vindictive. You can make wrong choices, um, you know, like <laughs> last night someone came to my crib and made a sound. I could not select terror as my mood and choose to do nothing. I was told by Alter Ego, I've made an inappropriate response. Um, and later in childhood, I was at the dentist, had four cavities. This game sounds nuts already, I realize. Um, I tried to be brave at the dentist and block out the sensations from the drill, and it told me my status sheet suggests that emotionally you are not capable of performing such a feat. So uh, I'm going to, you know, hit this back to you because I'm curious how it went after your first session. I mean, sort of my main big questions at this point is, like, is this really any different than any other game? I mean, what does freedom mean in a game versus what does freedom mean in a simulator? And, like, one other parting thought was, you know, I was thinking about how, like, Skyrim and these other big open-world games, uh, you know, usually you have to start off and make a whole face <laughs> very, very patiently define how, how long you want the filtrum to be. I was just imagining, like, whoa, well, what if, you know, you played Skyrim, but you had to go through a whole quiz like this? You know, how might that make, how might that make people play differently if they, if they have this you know, very patiently doled out uh, uh, history in their mind. How might that might make people play different? Um, so I'm going to try again with Alter Ego. I want to get past childhood and win the game by dying. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll try you again later, Pippin. Bye-bye. Thursday, the 22nd of September at 11.15 a.m. Thursday, the 22nd of September, at 1.53 p.m. Hiya, buddy. It's, uh, it's Pippin. I guess we just can't catch a break with this, uh, this game of phone tag we're building up, all right? Uh, I've played, uh, I don't know, like a decent amount of Alter Ego now, uh, including in my current run, getting up to being a teenager. 
Uh, but I can't find a way to save, so I'm just leaving it running on my computer and hoping for the best. Hope I don't uh, don't die the existential death of the game shutting down. Uh, you you brought up, I think, a key question, which is, or at least one that resonates with me, which is, you know, is this different from other games? And that's something that really always sparks for me when I'm looking at games. I don't know prior. 2000, prior to 2000 or something like that, um, because I often think, or at least speculate, that um, that older games have got a whole heap and helping of of game design knowledge that kind of gets jettisoned or or left along the path, um, just because game design has usually moved towards the most you know successful uh, option as it goes and. A lot of stuff gets forgotten. So one reason to look at a game from 1986 is to, to see if it has anything to teach us about game design. Uh, and that then makes me, of course, want to kind of poke at the underlying model uh, going on here or to, to try and understand it a little bit. So we have this collection of experiences that you select uh, from whatever kind of age you're at, and they give you these multiple choice questions, just as you said. Uh, and importantly, you have statistics alongside this, and your choices impact your statistics, and your statistics impact your choices. That's how it works. Uh, and so there's two kind of key elements then, right? There's the statistics themselves, which per the manual are calmness, confidence, expressiveness, familial, <laughs> gentleness, happiness, intellectual, physical, social, thoughtfulness, trustworthiness, and vocational. Um, so quite a lot to kind of hold in your head, possibly too many things. Uh, and then there's the question of how your statistics get impacted by the decisions that you make, and vice versa, uh, all of which appears to be decided on uh, by Dr. Favaro and his team of fellow psychologists. So it's coming from a psychologist perspective, I assume developmental psychology. So I guess in part what we're doing when we play is building an understanding of their understanding of the human condition. Uh, so for instance, uh, my physical sphere points, I guess that's yeah, my physical stuff, uh, decreased when I ate whipped cream and threw up as a baby, um, which seems strange, right? Because it's like it's a very momentary act to do that, just the curiosity of a baby. Uh, but it seems like it's going to have far-reaching consequences to me. I'm going to be like unhealthy for the rest of my life because of that one uh, idea, which points towards the game's orientation to time. Um, and I think that that's something interesting, design-wise. Um, this idea of having a series of roughly chronological uh, experiences rather than you know, real-time experiences as we're used to in, in most uh, open-world games, uh, or turn-based experiences, uh, which we tend to see in more tactical or strategic games, uh, like you know, Civilization, um, versus this kind of episodic time, which I don't think we see so often, uh, and maybe gives opportunities uh, for different kinds of play. So, you know, you bite a guy's finger as a baby, and then you get in a fist fight <laughs> as a seven-year-old. So with that in mind, um, what have you learned then, David, about the 1986 cis-white male version of the human condition? I wait with bated breath. Friday, the 23rd of September, at 12.29 p.m. Uh, hey, um, this is David returning, message for Pippin. So I 
restarted my life in Alter Ego last night. And just so you know, I reached the end of the road. Um, I wound up in this limbo state where I was 15 years and 6 months old, perpetually <laughs> trapped in adolescence, aren't we all? Uh, I reached this weird dead end where I was too young for any of the vignettes that were available, so I couldn't flip them over and I guess advance in age, and I couldn't do any of the others um, that required having a job because I didn't have a job yet, although I did do some nude modeling in a rather <laughs> shady warehouse for $500, which in 1986 goes rather far. Uh, so, you know, my dream for this game was to play it start to finish, which means to start a life at birth and I guess to see your character die and to see uh, how these choices ripple out, which is a big thing in gaming, right? Your choices matter. This choice will have consequences, even though we know it's like, well, I did this one thing now and one or two things may happen later, maybe three, because it's complicated to plan and design that all out. And... Uh, you know, the your experience eating the whipped cream, setting you on a path, and your life is just like this now, because you had whipped cream when you were an infant. You know, it seems unfair, but in a way, uh, this game was getting very dissonant for me. I mean, I guess I've already in the preseason compared another simulator to a Charlie Kaufman type thing. Uh, but, you know, this is a, a game simulating life through the eyes of a uh, psychologist. So we're seeing our lives reflected through Peter Favaro's design and writing. But I really started to wonder, like, is this is this a simulation of Peter Favaro's life, and what does this does this Rorschach pattern say more about Peter than it does about us? Uh, you know, because I don't know if you've seen the the Seven Up documentary series by uh, well, he's no longer around now, by Michael Apted, who started it, or well, he didn't start it, but he worked on the first one. Anyway, you know, it's this it's these series of documentaries. Um, uh, that follow a group of people at age seven, and it checks in with them every seven years to see what their lives are like. And each episode ends with this phrase from Aristotle, give me a child until he is seven, and I will show you a man, show you the man, uh, which, you know, similarly to Alter Ego, is this uh, thing that's gendered and, you know, uh, not the most inclusive thing to say today. But, you know, I mean, is that true that in the first seven years you can tell where life is going to go you know that's why we go to see therapists is to see how far back these patterns truly go and you know i'm going to retry again see if i can win by dying <laughs> but i am trying to think about this space in between you know so for for you i mean are you playing as yourself how do you interpolate the space between is this some sort of sliding door universe for you are you trying to right some past wrong tippin you know, I think any game we play, we're playing as some version of ourselves. So where is that coming from? Who is it? In Alter Ego, what are we bridging toward? Sunday, the 25th of September, at 1.27 p.m. Hey, David, it's Pippin. 
Felix is upstairs singing, I like to move it instead of having his nap, and I am trying to <laughs> gather my thoughts about alter ego. Um, you asked the classic question, and I guess it's a classic approach to a game like this, which is, do you play as yourself, uh, or who do you who do you play as? And it was kind of my intention to play as myself at the outset, uh, but you know, I too did nude modeling for five hundred dollars, so clearly it's it's not it's not really me. Uh, and we could get into it a little bit more as to uh, why that might be, uh, but I think it's kind of. It's almost surprising how hard it is to play as myself, given that, you know, this is a game that is at least trying to be representative of life itself. Um, and you had a thought that maybe this is kind of Dr. Favaro's life uh, presented as a game, or his, his ideas about life. But one thing that you run into in descriptions of the game uh, is the idea that this comes from hundreds of interviews uh, with men and women about their memorable life experiences. I've even seen the number a thousand, which, uh, you know, is twice as many as you've done for Don't Die, so you've got to catch up. Um, and I think that that's this memory orientation, which I think is very clever, uh, you know, to build a game out of vignettes of people's memories as a way of constructing a life. Uh, that's That's very cool, but I think it's also why the game struggles to make the person that you are feel uh, real and continuous. Uh, because those life experiences that come from disparate people's memories, they feel less and less related the longer you play and you build up a sense of who you think you are, uh, then these sort of memory experiences are less and less likely to line up with, with what you were thinking. So you get the kind of classic, I wouldn't have done that uh, element, or I, that would never have happened to me or this person that I'm trying to play as. Um, and to pick on, I think, the obvious thing, which is the extreme orientation towards sex uh, at any cost, at least in the teenage and, and young adult periods, these things just don't relate to my life experiences. There have been no sexy nurses in short dresses, rich older women propositioning me at their front door, strippers offering to take me out the back at a party. Um, these are so blatantly other people's memories, right? Uh, or, you know, and I'll resist suggesting that these are other people's fantasies rather than their memories. Uh, who knows? Um, so there's that. And then, you know, to pick on something a little less obvious, uh, but maybe obvious for me as a university professor, it bugs me uh, the lack of interest in education. Like the underlying simulation it seems to care about education as a generic statistic of intelligence, but not as, a, as an experience that you have when you're learning. That's markedly absent uh, from my perspective. Is there anything like that for you um, in this total life simulator we're playing? I am looking forward to finding out. Bye-bye. Sunday, the 25th of September at 7.16 p.m. Hey, Pippin, it's... Uh... David returning. So I have some bad news, which is that uh, David died yesterday, and I wanted to just read you this obituary about the life he led in Alter Ego. <clears throat> David died unexpected. Eh, sorry. David died unexpectedly on September 24th, 2022 at the age of 73 while playing baseball with the Super Sluggers, a low-impact league for seniors. David is presumably survived by his parents. It is not known whether they are still alive. David was a devoted boyfriend to Harriet 
and her 15-year-old stepson, whose name isn't known. David was born sometime in 1986 with an unknown parentage. In his career as a mailroom clerk, we think, and later as a creative, he became an, quote, overnight legend in the fast food business, end quote, for his genius invention of adding onion to something. He earned $500,000 by selling it to the Mac company at 35. David had a colorful social life and many friends from all around the world. Although he battled depression, he always found the bright side of situations and was always a centered, calm person. No funeral services scheduled, we don't think. So, I just wanted to let you know. Monday, the 26th of September, at 12.53 a.m. Monday, the 26th of September, at 1.47 p.m. Hi, Pippin. It's David, returning for you about alter ego. So, yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be in any simulator that claims to recreate <laughs> the span of an entire life and every experience one might possibly have and how it might shape you. Obviously, some things are going to fall through the cracks here, right? And you asked what I noticed... I noticed, like, by the time I hit around age 40 in the game, there was no social change happening around me. Everything stayed the same, and even though the game came out in the 80s, to me, for some reason, it feels very cloaked in this very American 1950s, ah, shucks kind of look at life and family and work and... I don't know where, I mean, I was very confused by the college thing as well, uh, mainly because you seem to never graduate. <laughs> so I wasn't sure as I was pushing 50, why am I still going to college? And it's keep warning me not to take a full-time job because that's too much. Um, so, I mean, just separate from all that sort of confusion in the game, uh, there's this other confusion of how alter ego I mean, is it meant to relate to our life experiences? I mean, I think even if we were among the people Peter interviewed for it, we probably wouldn't feel represented. We probably wouldn't even see ourselves um, on the other side of the soup pot we were poured into because um, we're getting the uh, game's interpretation and the interviewer's interpretation of what we said and what you know what we were asked. And I think a lot of this comes down to it's difficult to play as yourself because in alter ego, there is no real nuance to decisions. It's sort of, uh, you have to select your mood and select your action. Uh, and it never asks you pretty much always, why did you do that? And I don't know anyone who makes decisions that way or is conscious of making decisions that way. So, you know, I'll just, I'll flip it back to you. And I'm just wondering, like through this lens, I mean, <laughs> that's a big question. Can we learn something about life here? Let me know in the comments below. Okay, bye. Monday, the 26th of September, at 3.14 p.m. Hey, Alter David. Uh, my condolences uh, for the loss of yourself. Uh, that's tough. And in sympathy, I actually played long enough to die myself. 
at a senior's baseball game while fielding an infield pop fly. So it goes. Uh, can we learn anything about life from a game? Not like Alter Ego. Can we learn anything about life from Alter Ego? Yeah. Yeah, we can, of course. Um, and I think it comes back to something I'm always interested in with games, which is when I feel friction between, I don't know, the moral universe or the, you know, or the simulated universe of the game and my own understanding of the world and how I want to act. Um, and when I notice those sorts of things, it's, I mean, it's telling me something about the game and the game designer, but it's telling me something about myself. So, you know, the fact that in this game, uh, I really missed the importance of, uh, loving relationships and education, as I, as I said in my last message, uh, having a more direct relationship to your work and finding that satisfying or creatively fulfilling, uh, those sorts of things are, are not the things that Alter Ego is interested in portraying, which is, you know, that's fine, obviously, but those things are all super important to me, and the fact that they're not there uh, and that I notice that uh, tells me how important to me they are. So there's that kind of learning. Um, so although I, I guess I wasn't that captivated by the life that I lived in Alter Ego, but I did find a New York Times article uh, from 1986 where... Uh, Dr. Favaro assures the interviewer that he, quote, knows of people who have played it for 60 hours straight to see how their lives turn out, weeping when their characters die, end quote. So, you know, video games making you cry is the ultimate test of emotional meaning. So there's learning and, and weeping going on. Um, and I certainly had emotional reactions to the game. I found myself shouting, oh, come on, <laughs> in my empty house uh, earlier today when I was left at the altar for the second time. I uh, just can't get a break. Um, but circling back to something I, th I think is is powerful, uh, again, going back to that New York Times article, they talk about the bully fighting experience you have pretty early on. Uh, and they say, quote, a player hitting the bully's face and fighting to the finish either gets killed or is saved by a teacher. The computer picks the outcome at random, end quote. And that idea of, of a random selection of something terrible or something kind of, you know, like you go on with your life, um, I think that that's, that's a powerful thing. Uh, you get a real sense of, you know, what I, I think is the indifference of the world uh, by implementing things in terms of probabilities instead of in terms of some underlying value system. All right. So next up, uh, I'm very, very curious to see how men are portrayed when I play as a woman. And we're going to have to go and, and take a look. But just as a quick taste of this uh, from the New York Times again, quote, a risk in the male version involves parachuting. In the female version, it involves trying a new hairstyle. Bye bye. Monday, the 26th of September at 4.48 p.m. <laughs> hey, Pippin, guess I just missed you. Um, so it sounds like maybe we both uh, lived the same life in Alter Ego, in our Alter Alter Ego Egos. Um, we died the same way. We both did the same nude modeling. Uh, and it makes me wonder, you know, your mention of the article and the sort of cruel, uncaring world 
just indifferently making things happen to you is interesting. But I do wonder how random, you know, the events you opt into or select. Obviously, if you die sooner, you miss out on certain things. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned that article, which I'm dubious of, of people in tears over the game. Uh, because there was an article, uh, I guess, earlier that year, or a review, I should say, from Johnny Wilson in Computer Gaming World magazine that I read uh, after we started playing, where he says, quote, It is hilarious to allow a group to make the decisions on what the character will do in a given situation and the tongue-in-cheek nature of many of the situations, as well as the clever, satirical patter of the game's narrative descriptions, uh, are good for lots of laughs. So, uh, we should, if we get to, talk a little bit about the tone through our overlapping plays through the female version of this, uh, because I felt like often in my male playthrough, the game was constantly goading me for apparently making the wrong choice or making me doubt my choices, um... You know, there was a thing when I played through as David where there was a popsicle I found in the refrigerator. It was meant for someone else. It said, do you want to eat it? I said, no, I'll leave it alone. And it said something about, oh, well, you know, respect for other people's privacy should be enough. Does that make you angry? Yes. No. I said, no. <laughs> it said, fine, then leave it alone. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious when we both... Uh, emerge from our female playthroughs. Uh, there's a lot to get to, and yeah, let's uh, let's touch base. I'll try you later. Bye. Tuesday, the 27th of September at 11:12 a.m. Pippin Bar calling for David Walensky. Uh, sorry, you're not there. Um, <laughs> You getting accused of being boring reminds me of my favorite achievement in Disco Elysium, which is the boring cop achievement, uh, one that I was very proud of getting for saying the most boring possible thing uh, at least seven times or something. It was easy for me. <laughs> um, talking about this question of, um, you know, how many experiences are even in the game, I did do some digging into the game's source files um, and it looks like there are 226.vig files. Um, they seem to correspond to the, the central set of icons that are kind of the main line of experience, uh, perhaps the ones that we're finding the most repetitive as well. Um, so if there's only 226, that's like around 30-ish per um, age that you can be. Uh, and to me, that seems like we're probably seeing a lot of them um, in a single playthrough. It's possible that they're substituting in some um, per playthrough, but I get the sense that we're seeing maybe every experience even um, in a single playthrough. Uh, playing through as a woman now, uh, that feels pretty confirmed. I'm seeing all of the same things happen, um, although we can talk about how they differ. Uh, and then there are other files, right? There's 157.sie files. Those ones look like they correspond to the scripting for the sidebar experiences. So college, uh, relationships, part-time work, marriage, etc., etc. 
Uh, and that's a pretty that's a pretty chunky extra bit, right? And it's one of the cool moves I think that the game has made, that separation uh, between I don't know those sidebar experiences, the big life things, and then the kind of day to day life stuff in the middle. Uh, it avoids entanglement between those two things, which is partly why the game feels a bit disjointed at times because one side doesn't really acknowledge the other outside of statistics. Um, but on the other hand, it makes it possible to have a much more diverse range of experiences. Um, so all, all told, that's a little under 400 kind of unique experiences, which is, it's a lot of writing, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. That's how many there are. Um, so there you go. Uh, I just wanted to return to one of your uh, important questions, because uh, I'm curious what you might say, which is, you talk about looking for small moments done well in games, which, as I said um, in the intro to this season, I think that's a great and very relatable thing to be looking for. Uh, given that this is literally a game of small moments, <laughs> uh, have they been done well for you? Which ones have you liked or been interested in? Um, I'll say that for me, the baby stuff uh, has been especially uh, neat. I think only probably because I have a small child uh, in the first place. Uh, but what about you? Tuesday, the 27th of September, at 12.39pm. <clears throat> Hello, Pippin. I feel like you're setting me up here. Am I supposed to say your question is boring, and that you're boring me? I won't fall for it. I'll bore myself. <laughs> um, yeah, way to crunch the numbers there. It's interesting. You know, I found um, in my playthrough... I think it's about one experience equals one month. And flipping the question back to me about small moments done well, I mean, you know, through the, the lens of an entire life, I mean, this also sort of flips it into like, well, when your life flashes before your eyes at the end, which it doesn't in alter ego, I mean, how many do people typically see? It's hard to fact check that. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so what makes these exchanges memorable? And for me, you know, what really makes this game sort of haunting in a way is how often things can happen. Um, there was a thing I had in my first playthrough as David where, uh, I think like in my 50s or something, there was a man who ran a store that had been around in my childhood and noticed that the store was abandoned and uh, or was empty. And you can investigate. And it turns out he was in the hospital. And there were just these questions that I think explicitly asked, like, how far do you want to take this? Um, you know, because, like, I visited him in the hospital, and then he died. And uh, stuff like that, I think, was, like, much more memorable to me than like the big milestones because the big milestones in alter ego is you know you do a bunch of stuff and then suddenly you're told hey you're not a baby anymore you are now in childhood and so there's that and then there's also this like sense of morality in the game which is like i feel like i'm playing some sort of board game like monopoly there's a lot of stuff that happens where there are no selfless acts, or really it's sort of motivating you to do kind things, and then you 
can trust probably you'll, you'll gain in some way. Um, you know, there was like a homeless woman uh, in my current playthrough as Jessica, which was what my name would have been if I was a girl. Um, there was this homeless woman, and she was rambling and not well and out in the cold. And, you know, it's, again, this thing of how far do you want to take this? And you can go over and talk to her, yes or no. She says doctors are messengers of Satan. You can take her to the police or the hospital. They see her at the hospital, and they say, oh, she's in here all the time. Uh, you can stay with her or not. I stayed with her. You see her a week later. She's out on the street, and she gives you an envelope. You can open it or not, and there's $50,000 in that envelope from her thanking you. Uh so, I mean, what do you make of these small moments through the lens of morality? I mean, is alter ego trying to tell us something about life, or um, do we fill in the gaps? All right, bye. Tuesday, the 27th of September, at 3.54 p.m. Hey, Jessica, it's me, Pippin. Um, what does this game have to say about life? Well, and I quote, Being dissatisfied with yourself and your accomplishments can only serve to heighten feelings of depression and fear related to the physical side of aging. End quote. Uh, which is to say that one of the things this game has to say about life is really overt advice uh, from psychologists, um, such as Dr. Favaro and the team of colleagues he worked on uh, his interviews with, um, that voice shows up pretty frequently uh, in the game overall. Uh, it's it's often willing to to offer you some yeah psych speak about the way that people should be living their lives. Uh, but maybe most of all, what the game has to say about life is you know that it presents this pretty brutally conventional uh, vision of normal life. Uh, from 1986, as seen by the people that Dr. Favaro interviewed alongside uh, however else they, they decided to tweak it into something that was uh, more of an entertainment uh, product. And that shows up in the in the situations that you find yourself in, uh, of course, and the kind of the ways that people are described. Uh, but it also shows up in in the ways that you can act, right? Uh, one of the things that bugs me so much about the the female version of alter ego is that when you want to date someone uh, or when you want to get engaged with someone that you've been dating, uh, as a woman, all you can do is drop hints uh, to induce them <laughs> to ask you uh, the question. You can't... Uh, you can't take the lead, whereas uh, when you're a guy, of course, you always have to take the lead. Um, and, you know, that that is what it is, uh, but it is one of the markers, I think, of simulators, right, is that one of the things they do is really surface their assumptions about life or whatever it is that they're simulating, uh, not just in terms of description or, or portrayal, uh, but in terms of the actual procedural way that you play the game or interact with the, the simulator. Um, so, you know, for me, that's, I guess, the big thing that comes out in terms of a vision of life. The thing that I think I found the most interesting, I've already talked about it, so I won't revisit it, is 
the way that the game deals with temporality. Um, that whole thing of, of having an episodic structure instead of a kind of continuous time structure, which is what's more common in games these days. Uh, I think it's it's pretty successful, and, and you see it in contemporary games. Uh, Reigns is a good example of that, uh, where you're making kind of episodic decisions instead of um, you know moving through a simulated world. Uh, there's a lot of potential there that I think can be revisited. Uh, and as a final note, uh, Leisure Suit Larry came out uh, the year after Alter Ego. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Tuesday, the 27th of September, at 6.25pm. Tuesday, the 27th of September, at 6.35pm. Pippin, it's Jessica returning. So, where are we? After a week with our multiple alter egos. Well, one thing I guess we can say is, and I don't think this should be the headline, dated game from 1986 is dated. I mean, it's certainly true. Um, There's a certain degree here of Life as it seemed to be uh, from this one <laughs> doctor. I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm not making fun of his credentials. You know, from this one doctor and these many interviews and the filter of the publisher. This is what life in the future looked like in 1986, I guess. Um, to me, it often felt like very steeped in a 1950s sort of, aw shucks, Americana, which, if you did not grow up in America, the United States, I should say, um, maybe you don't tap into that as easily or feel it. Certainly, in the childhood years, no matter which gender, what gender you're playing as, the pop quiz questions of who was the first vice president, these questions will blindside you. So, is alter ego about citizenship? I don't think so. Um, What's interesting is that there are all these statistics where the game doesn't seem to be judging you versus today in games where choices matter, morality is charted as a binary. And very early on you made a note about is there something the design can teach us? I mean, there's a lot in Alter Ego I feel like I haven't seen since. And, you know, for better or worse, um, I don't know what else to say other than life goes on. And I think that's sort of the ultimate message of Alter Ego. Playing through as a woman, uh, you bristle at these constant limitations the game puts on you. You can't ask people out for dates. Your dad doesn't even think you should go to college. You're there to produce children and to sort of be a passive part of your own life. And as far as life goes on, I mean, I don't know if that's (laughs) ever really changed about life in the United States or life anywhere. A lot of people do feel that. And I don't think Alter Ego is trying to say that, but, you know, 
we can play these games and fill in the space in between. Otherwise, it's just a game. All right, bye, Pippin. I don't know why I keep missing you. Bye-bye. End of messages. Thank you for calling Game Thing. For more information, please hang up and dial GameThing.life. Goodbye.